Good evening and welcome to the Recollective Podcast. My name's Charlie Beale and I'm joined as ever by my good friend Tom Goodfellow. Good evening everybody, nice to be back. Nice to be back and tonight love is in the air. Yes, absolutely, it truly is. Um, I can't believe we've come this long without really talking about it. Yeah, it's also one of these really enormous subjects. We don't really make it easy for ourselves to narrow down the subject matter. Um, I mean, it's. I can see why we went for more obvious topics like angular rather than the biggies like love, but we've made our way there. I'm looking at the choices I've made because, as ever, we've we've chosen three or four songs each, and we're going to link back to some of the material we've recorded ourselves. Um, and there's so many different ways you can approach a love song. A love song can be happy, it can be sad, it can be a lamenting a love lost, it can be cherishing a love found. Um, I mean, it's just a human emotion. Uh, music is a, is an emotional uh, instrument or, or, or vehicle. It's like almost any song can be a love song. That's right. And as soon as you start to think about it, there's like, I was thinking, actually, is this a love song or is this an unrequited love song? Is that the same kind of thing? Or is this a lost love song? Um, there are all kinds of subgenres, which maybe we can explore later on. But I think, um, you know, the love song. Uh it's time to give it some give it some love. Yeah. So if we maybe start on a, a torturous journey, uh, a torturous metaphor of love, this might be a first date. Your your first song. Um, what have you chosen first, and how does it get get us into the genre? It is indeed a first date of a song, uh, and this. I mean, I think I heard it again recently, and I was just like, "What a perfect song! Like, what what a lovely song!" Like that, that's a love song. It's not soppy, really. It's its not particularly complex. Um, it's extremely short and to the point. And I also think it's one of the first songs, like, I remember ever hearing. I mean, the first pop songs. I don't know if it was like a cassette my sister had or something. But it was, uh, yeah, it was a song I remember from a very young age. Um, but just hearing it again recently uh, and then putting it on a playlist, I was, it just makes me feel very happy. Uh, and to me, it's like, it's a, just a perfect little love song. Let's play it. What a Wonderful World by Sam Cooke. Don't know much about history. Don't know much biology. Don't know much about a science book. Don't know much about the French I took. But I do know that I love you. about the French I took, but I do know that I 
sound i know that's the other thing the production just a, i mean obviously an incredible voice but then it's like it's basically just a acoustic guitar a little kit with some brushes or whatever mm. um and sam cook and just amazing really it's just kind of thing that will like live forever it is perfect and simple and gorgeous do you remember I don't know. I know that song because it actually accompanies one of the great moments in cinema. Um, what are you thinking of? I think it's in quite a lot of films and stuff. So <clears throat> I'm thinking about the moment in Witness, the film with Harrison Ford and is it Kelly McGillis, where he goes and it's in an Amish community and he basically has a, a burgeoning love story with an Amish woman. But this song is playing on the radio and... Yeah, it's a very memorable scene. I think I've never seen Witness, actually. Definitely worth watching. Good. We could do a little side pod. Um, great music and great films. Anyway, that's my that's my kickoff. Uh, that's where it all begins. Yeah, I, I'm. I love going back to these classic songs, mm. I, and I love the fact that it was only two minutes, and it's yeah. It, it's also just a classic uh, art of songwriting type example where it's it's take, taking a very simple hook of like, I don't know this stuff, but I know I love you. Um, and yeah. it's a route into saying a love message, but it's just repetitive. It's got a very clean structure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like just that message is so, so sweet and so bang on. It's like you can't really have a more powerful love song message than, you know, I don't know anything except this, I, and, and and all I need to know, all I need to, to to be happy is to know that you feel the same way. And yeah, and it gets in there in two minutes or something, you know, but several three verses and chorus, the middle eight, and then that, you know, at the end just that. Do you know what year it's from? Uh, I don't. Are you going to tell me? No, I don't. I I, I don't know the year. Uh, it feels a bit Motowny. Yeah, it was recorded. Oh, that's even better. So it was recorded during an impromptu session in March 1959. Um, yeah, so it's just like a, it's almost like a throwaway thing. And it's that thing again where you feel the room, you know, you're in the room and yeah. there's maybe three or four people or whatever. Uh, anyway. Yeah, for people who don't like Pro Tools rigs and electric recording techniques, that's the kind of song they mean when they're talking about getting a warm sound through a desk and, you know. Yeah. And what's amazing is that something like that, something done probably so quickly. And, you know, who knows how many takes they took, but probably in an afternoon or something, can literally, mm. like, endure, can be kind of timeless and eternal. <laughs> you can't imagine that as long as there's pop music, people won't be listening to songs like that. Yeah. So it's a, that's a good segue into my first choice, which is another classic of the genre. This one from 1973. Um, and um, we'll speak afterwards about how this was written. But again, written super fast in a super simple way um, and is stand, uh, 
currently still stands the test of time. where Dolly does some talking. Um, oh, really? I hope life yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you heard this, Biz? No, I mean, can we have a listen? And I hope that you have all that you ever dreamed of. And I wish you joy and happiness. But above all of this, I wish you love. So I think it's fascinating that we've both chosen two songs from the American Songbook, um, both of which use very simple brushes and a naked vocal. Um, and the point that you raised about it being a very simple song and standing the test of time. Do you know, Dolly Parton said of writing um, I Will Always Love You that she wrote it on the same day that she wrote Jolene. Just there was a, there was a day she just banged out those two tunes, um, oh which in, in in songwriting terms that's a pretty shit hot day. Um, that's incredible. But what, I think what, what else did she do that day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she could have probably forgotten a few things or broken a plate or something, and it, it would have made up for it. Um, but I guess the point is, you know, 
when you when you do something that's simple and you don't labor over the consequences or the art it, it can often come through as very authentic as just something that's on the top of your mind and, and you're, you're just reaching out for that emotion um i don't know if a love song is something you can labor over in an intellectual sense although i'm sure we'll come to um examples of of others who try to do that um yeah i mean Yeah, it's a good question. Are they different from other kinds of songs in terms of the way that people, the attention people give them? And and, uh, I don't know. You're very conscious when you're writing a love song that it's a love song, I think, you know, and that there's a, there's not exactly, um, I mean, there's clearly no rule book about love songs, but there's, you feel that there's certain, I don't know. Well, as soon as you're conscious you're writing a love song, it maybe makes you feel differently about it. I mean, I really wonder with that one, what was going on, like whether she set out to, write a great love song or it was just um it'd be interesting to know what the, on the day how she felt about that relative to Jolene because they're very very different kinds of songs yeah Jolene I think is obviously a fictional song um mm. unless there was a flame haired open girl with whom she was competing but if it was um then the timeline doesn't really uh bear scrutiny because this song I will always love you is supposedly about breaking up with um someone called Porter Wagoner who uh, has got an amusing name, um, but someone someone who she used to collaborate with. And yeah, that begs the question, is it a love song? Because it's actually more of a farewell. A breakup um, song. Yeah. yeah. They, well, it's very different, yeah. And I thought about like, I don't know if you know, it's a very similar era, possibly almost exactly the same year. Um, certainly, I think early 70s. There's a, a Aretha Franklin song called Angel, which I always really loved. It's not like one of her big hits. It's not from her 60s you know, prime in that way. But um, that's almost the other end of the spectrum because she's she's saying, I, I want to find a great love. <laughs> you know, like mm. The song is like, I need to find me an angel in my life. But it's got that amazing love lawn feeling. And I thought about playing it, but then I thought, well, actually it's not, it's not quite a love song. It's someone saying they want love. Mm. And this is someone saying goodbye to a love. But maybe some of the best love songs are, you know, at those ends of the spectrum. I, I think we need to talk about Whitney. We absolutely have to because it, it, this song was made very famous at a seminal time in our growing up, probably when we were teenagers. It was enormous. It was enormous. And it was also, I mean, I, I don't know how famous the song was before then. Was it already a very famous Dolly Parton song? Because my sense it's hard, been it's like hard a, to say. Um, yeah. I think obviously Dolly Parton was still a big star before that. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, but she was known more for. I my sense was it was not one of her most well-known songs, but I, I could be wrong because I was young and I didn't really know much about Dolly Parton. Um, yeah, I mean, Nine to Five, Jolene, Islands in the Stream, those kind of ones were probably still much more up there in terms of her more well-known work. And Whitney just blew it out of the water. I mean, I don't. Was it the longest period of number one ever? Still, it was certainly one of them. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and Black Box, Ride on Time, that's spent quite a long time yeah. at number one. Uh, that, but but I think it's the plaintiveness of Dolly's version that gets me, as, apart from it being the original. Um, yeah, it's a very different mood. Um, and obviously Whitney's is long. I mean, it's got all those key changes in, so it, it did all that stuff. Um, and it's a virtuoso performance, which is another form of art, if you like it, but it's not something that touches me. Um, no. And... And like you say, like, 
Dolly's is in keeping with the lyrics. It's if if indeed it is about a love um, lost and and gone, which in a sense it's quite obvious. So it's got that plaintive sadness. Whereas Whitney's is a kind of like you know bombastic. <laughs> I'm always going to love you. God damn it! There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah even though the the lyrics are that they're passing ways. Um, cool. Great. I think Good a nice start. Good. Nice yeah, start. Definitely. Classics. Those. Absolute classics. So is it me again now? Yeah, you've name-checked this song in a couple of previous episodes. I have. Okay, so... What can I say about this? Um, I'm just... Yeah, I mean, I'll just say what it is, which is The Hounds of Love by Kate Bush, because we talked about it uh, in an episode where we talked about Kate Bush, um, which was an episode uh, on... Um, what was that episode on? Well, we are talking about... Solo artists, I think it was. Yes. And then it also came up in the episode where we mentioned the Future Heads cover version. And um, In Angular. In Angular. Yeah, and I mean, uh, you know, I don't have anything personal against the Future Heads, but for me that really is like someone just getting the point of the song completely wrong, or certainly not not recreating any of the, any of the appropriate mood. Uh, mm. Uh, and I didn't really know the song very well before. I was aware it was a Kate Bush song, but I didn't know much Kate Bush at the time. The Future Heads one came out, and we were playing in a band. But then I got more into Kate Bush. And this song, I mean, I, I think we talked in some other episode as well about restraint in kind of production and arrangement. And what you have here is these big drums that Kate Bush suddenly produced on this album in 1985. Um, and then this very thin, sort of almost reedy keyboard sort of cheesy string sound, uh, keyboard sound, and, and it's and it's nothing else almost. And it's, but the chords it's playing, and it's these very simple kind of two, three note chords. The way they move under her vocal, it just really gets me. And then you've got like these kind of string jabs coming in and it gets much. So there's a lot about it sonically that I like. But also I just think, uh, yeah, I mean, lyrically it's it says something about love that not many other, uh, songs do which is that love is scary and love comes for you and you feel vulnerable and you you kind of um it, it comes and it comes and pounces on you and that's kind of frightening and wonderful and it it captures all of that i've got more to say but maybe we should listen to it first yeah in the trees it's coming Thank you. 
yeah. So that is wrong. I mean, it's a magnificent song. It's. Um, I'll let you talk over it before I. Um, no, no. I mean, I, it's interesting because it's 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 another one that could have been a, a love song or an anti-love song. It's obviously about a sort of fear of love and. Uh, yeah, but what I love about it, and I didn't, I didn't get this when I first heard it as well. Her version, um, because I was like, it doesn't quite take off. It never quite goes anywhere. Like it doesn't quite build in the way you might want. But it's it's a bombastic vocal and the bombastic drums, and then that keyboard with those little chord changes. To me, that's like that's the heart. That's like the vulnerable heart in the middle of the song, you know. And it's that that you just don't get at all from the, the cover. And I feel like that's why it's that's kind of what it's about. Yeah, it speaks to a point I wanted to raise after the last couple of songs, which is about vulnerability. When and also the maturity it takes to 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 open yourself up to be vulnerable enough even to just write a normal song that says I love you or even if you're in your 20s to actually look someone in the eye and say I love you it's it's something that feels like a leap it feels particularly when you're that age that it's a big commitment to say um but I think you know she's obviously saying here that she's she's made mistakes she doesn't let people in she doesn't um she knows that like uh, 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 that it it could be a good thing for her but she's I don't know what running away, or she feels in being she's being pursued somehow. Um, yeah, or, or that she's just scared to commit. I, how would you read it? I don't know. I mean, there's probably a number of different interpretations of it, um, but I think they're all on the same theme, which is that, um, and to me as well, like the way she sings it, which is like bold and with bravado, and uh, and the way that you've got those big drums. Is like I said, it's like you know that, that time when you're like you're putting on a show of like uh, being fine with everything, but actually you're you're kind of quite she's scared, you know, just in the way that people are when they when they fall in mm. love or they think that they might or they think they might be vulnerable because what if they get betrayed or what if it doesn't work out or uh, so it's like putting up that front. It's the kind mm. of it's like a song version of putting up a front because you're falling in love, but you're scared for whatever reason because of things happening in your past or because you know you're scared you won't be loved back or whatever. It's all that stuff. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think it's a, it's just kind of it's kind of amazing the way it comes to in the music and the production and the arrangement as well as in the in the lyrics. I think on that listen, I got a whole sense of her vocal sound and like how it's that big roomy, almost Pixies esque vocal recording. Um, yeah, just almost like she's in this big hollow room. But you're right; the drums are like almost military in their in their aggressive, you know keeping up with the pace and you know, there's nothing vulnerable about that. And the, yeah. also the stabbiness of it. Um, yeah, it's the contrast, I think, between the sounds. But anyway, but I, I don't think I'm clever enough to understand the Hounds of Club Love. I just think there's she's operates on a different level. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if my interpretation of it, such as it is, you know, there's lines in it where I think I don't quite know what that means or, um, you know, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> there's obviously something... Can... Yeah, but your reading of it has opened up the song even more for me, so I appreciate that. Cool. Well, let's move on. Gosh. Um, this episode opens up emotions a little bit more because uh, there's, you know... It does. I have to say, I, 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 did, a different space. I didn't say this, but I don't mind saying it uh, live on air to all of um, the people of Bolivia and Amman. Uh, 
I was listening to that song walking. I think I was walking back from work. I was just listening to it and it it just it, it moved me like violently and it brought like literally brought tears to my eyes. And I don't mm. know why, because it's not like a sad song. It's not. But it was something about that it spoke to me on that level without necessarily understanding all the lyrics so yeah it is i've got one like that on the playlist so it's not you know good good i I might (laughs) i might shed a tear later in the episode um so it's a nice segue again to my choice because we've referenced in other episodes that kate bush was a mate of mr david bowie Ah. and for those of you who've uh, heard other episodes in this series you know we're quite a fan of mr you Bowie. might know we like him this was the first dance at my wedding um and it's it's not the best first dance but it was a song that my wife and i played quite a lot in the build-up to our wedding and i'll talk about it afterwards it's called absolute beginners it's not a good first dance at a wedding is because the good bit take comes in after two minutes so people are standing around wanting it, it to be all romantic and it's ba 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 da um, 
which, uh, which doesn't work, but the chorus really speaks to me, and I'll bring it back in when it comes in again. Yeah, I know, I think it's, I mean, a first answer in a wedding can be absolutely anything you want it to be, and um, no, it's great, and this is another song where I think, by the way, do shut me up when you want to bring it back in. Um, the first few times I heard it, I didn't kind of get it, because it doesn't do what a lot of Bowie songs do, and it's quite different in terms of tempo and mood, but it, you know, then after a few listens, I really got it. It's that's what it's, it's like. Again, his vocal and the way he delivers it—it's just like this is so simple, you know. Mm. And it's that aspect of love. It's like saying this is really simple. There's no confusion here. There's no doubt. Like, uh, and he delivers it that way. So it's yeah, it's lovely. Should we bring up the second chorus? Tell it was recorded in the 80s. Yeah. Well, 80s Bowie, like 80s Bush, they were, they were in their prime. But you're right. I think maybe the other reason I didn't really get it the first few times I heard it is I didn't get to the chorus. So I, yeah. <laughs> it takes a long time. But it's um, you know, soaring and beautiful. Um, and you may recognise the piano flourishes of Rick Mick Wakeman. So this is a reunion of sorts. Um, oh, really? They hadn't played for a while. No. Yeah, and also the interesting thing is it's like it's sort of like a duet in the chorus. So there's that woman singing, and that's a woman called Janet Armstrong, who I, I'm not sure who Janet Armstrong is. But she gives quite a nice... She almost is singing like the bass vocal part, which is unusual for a woman to be singing the bass part and the man to be singing the high the high lead melody. Ah, um, I haven't really noticed that. But um, it's quite nice the way we've done also the two honest classic love songs and then two more vulnerable love songs. So this isn't like yeah. I'm scared of love, but it is like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I love you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's kind of the, the mood of the um, Sam Cooke, but with like, a, you know, I know I love you, but also with a bit of like a bit more uncertainty about how you're supposed to deal with it. Yeah. Um, was that... The song itself was in a film or something, is that right? Yeah, so there was a a novel called Absolute Beginners um, and then Julian Temple, the director, did a screenplay of it um, and he was mates with Bowie and Bowie asked if he could be in it and Julian Temple asked if he could write a song for it. And um, it's quite interesting because um, I don't know much about the book, but... We once tried to write a musical called Tandoori Nights that had all sorts of um, 
uh, weird <laughs> character names like um, Charlie. Well, <laughs> that that um, Do we want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> it was embarrassing on a real curry uh, uh, restaurant in um, Camden as well, wasn't it? On Parkway. Yeah, Tandoori Nights. But uh, basically, all the characters' names were puns. Yeah, um, and if you so reading up, I haven't seen Absolute Beginners the film, but um, yeah, the, the the characters have all sorts of weird names. Like Patsy Kensit is a character called Crepe Suzette. Um, <laughs> oh really? Which, it's inspired Tandoori Nights. No, I didn't know that. I just read read about it now. But um, that's even um, weaker than ours. Nobody's called Crepe for God's sake. At least we try yeah. to include real names like Tara and. Anyway. Yes, I think. I, I mean, it's fair to say that the two owners of um, Tandoori Nights, the restaurant in the musical, were Mama Nan and Papa Dom. That's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Which at least referenced their roles as mother and father. Whereas yes. Crepe Suzette, I mean. Uh, <laughs> and Bowie played the role of, and I'm not sure how to pronounce this, but it's it's either Vendice Partners or Vendice Partners. Um and who else famous was in it? Um, Lionel Blair as Harry Charms for those. Stephen I'm, Burkop. I'm assuming it wasn't. I was going to say it's not one of Bowie's better films, but then most of the films <laughs> better films were they? Not known um, for making great films. I'm not sure where it compares to the Linguini incident. Um, no, which I've still not seen. In fact, I don't know if I've seen any of them apart from most of the Man Who Fell to Earth. I'm not sure I made it all the way through. I don't know if anyone's ever finished that movie. Anyway, Shall lovely. we move on? Yeah, where are we going now? Is this a, are we going into our middle section? We certainly are. So for the benefit of listeners, um, we are also exploring the idea of the anti-love song. Um, and I think what we're beginning to realise is they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, yeah. I'm choosing the next song, and it's this must have been just... From a band dynamics point of view, a very difficult thing to do. Uh, so the band is Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> uh, and Fleetwood Mac had a long history. And then, in my personal opinion, but I think it's a popular opinion, when they inherited the duo of Buckingham and Nicks, they became a far superior band. Um, Lindsay Buckingham and Stevie Nicks. Um, who were an item at one point, and I don't understand whether they broke up and stayed together whilst, you know, the exact order. But this is a song by Lindsay Buck Buckingham that he penned for Stevie Nicks to sing about their breakup, and they would continue to be in um, a band whilst performing and touring this song, which must have been fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> it's only the beginning with Fever Back, though, isn't it? Like, there was yeah, all kinds of shenanigans. It's um, called Go Your Own Way. We can talk about afterwards. Go your own way. Go 
So we've all heard the song a thousand times. I don't think we need to listen to <laughs> a third or fourth chorus. Um, but I, it stands the test of time. It's, it's a great song. Stevie Nicks is the best singer in the band, but it's nice to hear a bit of Lindsay. Yeah, so she's on backing vocals, I guess, along with the rest of them. Um, but um, bizarrely, the song's a bit about the. Is, is it quite about the drums? As much as yeah, I think. it's a it's a very classic drum beat and much imitated. And um, yeah. Also, I think it's interesting one that you played because something about it sonically, the, the kind of song it is, it's actually in some ways quite similar to the song of ours we're going to play. Um, it, you know, um, so maybe we should have put, put this one directly before that. But uh, yeah, well, we I can. Mean, Why do we do that? We're sandwich our, our anti-love songs. Yeah, um, okay, let's do that. Um, the interesting thing about the drum part before we move on from that is. Um, it was modelled on Street Fighting Man by the Rolling Stones. So Lindsay Buckingham kind of wrote the lyrics and chords together, but as he was doing it, him and um, Mick Fleetwood were saying, like, let's try and make this a, a Street Fighting Man type of vibe. Yeah, I've never really thought about that. The, the one, it, you mean the drums? Yeah, the drums. Because it also really reminds me of that Elvis Costello song, which must um, have been for a bit. No, maybe around the same time. Um, this Year's Girl, off the one of the first Elvis Costello albums. But um, yeah. maybe he was ripping them off, actually, because that might be a year or so later. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great one. It's the ultimate anti-love song. Cause, yeah, what was going on there? I don't know if she was with Mick Fleetwood by then. Like, she got together with Mick Fleetwood, the drummer. Did she? Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I know she had a, a fling with Jimmy Iovine at one point, And Oh, I can't. I don't know that much about it. Tom Petty, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Um, there's, there's some very amusing documentaries about Fleetwood Mac. I mean, if, but my favourite quote about, uh, you know, after they did this, they made that album Tusk, which was like really expensive. And Lindsay Buckingham went kind of mad trying to make it the best thing of all time. And in the end, it's quite average and not as good as rumours. But, um, you know, there's huge efforts of production. And apparently the, the recording was so fraught. Some other member of Fleetwood Mac was quoted as saying, you know, whenever he walked into a room, the fun died. <laughs> The <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay Buckingham was just this like, yeah, killing joy wherever he went. Um, so he's 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 writing love, loving you isn't the right thing to do, and you know writing lyrics like packing up, shacking up is all you want to do, um, and saying okay, here you go, love, sing that, um, <laughs> you know, and and she obviously clearly objected to that very much resented um you know that being on display as a song she'd have to sing to the rest of the world but nuts that they carried on and made quite a lot of money doing so i know i know and they still i mean they still tour don't they i've i've seen a flick with that tribute band i have to say which were really really good because yeah. the singer was such a good stevie nicks impersonator but um it's very interesting i don't think that maybe 15 years ago say anyone would have predicted the resurgence of fleetwood matt you know uh, that they just have this massive following and it's like they're never going to go away. So shall we play Not Another Love Song by Seeing Scarlet? Let's do it. Let's absolutely do it. Divided with bread 
love song but it's not really an anti-love song so if i look back at the lyrics i think it's more a writer's block song and it's a it's a more a an admission of not being able to speak authentically and trying to say things in a clever way and not quite being able to come up with the right words to say things okay i was going to ask you about the lyrics so that's good so yeah i remember at this time i was kind of doing what you know lyricists and artists in their 20s do which is kind of go from coffee shops to pubs um uh trying to write things and trying to find inspiration in things and this was i think a song that i chucked a, a few vignettes at but the point is i think i was struggling to write something that hung together as a lyric um yeah but that's nice i like that like you know that's what um that's real and that's something you can write a song about and it doesn't just apply to songwriting i'm sure it applies to many yes and there's some that are incredibly pretentious lyrics like you know joining the the, the bread cues and um 
But I think there's, you know, when the city grows bigger, as big as my liver was quite, it's quite a cool line because it's like, you know, the sense that you're being engulfed by uh, you know, booze. The, the bright lights and booze of you know, <laughs> the lifestyle we were leading. Um, yeah, I love that line. Yeah, I, I'm very fond of that song because it was never, for those listeners out there who may not realise, it was never, a, a, I always <laughs> want to say like a single, of course, we didn't really have many singles, strictly speaking, but it was not like a, a, on an album, nor was it a song that we kind of released in any way, actually until recently on Spotify, mm. for those of you who are interested. Um, but it was so sort of one of those ones that fell off. You know, it wasn't on a, you know, we didn't do anything with it beyond that demo. But um, I will never forget when we listened back to it um, in Norfolk and a band get together and we all just looked at each other and were like, wow. You know, but the drumming, uh, particularly at the beginning, yeah. is astoundingly I, good. I think that's partly what it's about. It's just very tight and snappy and yeah. Um, it's got nice bits. I'm not sure if it hangs together. That middle eight feels a bit like it's a different song um, know, in this recording. I, I just, I still quite like it. But um, yeah, it's obviously that's the thing. It's a song that had we done, you know, we literally just did a demo. Yeah, we, we thought never, we were going to be signed and and we'll work it out and make it a better yeah, song. Exactly, we would have done things to it to improve yeah. it and whatever. Um, um, it came from your song Habit, didn't it? I I don't think it did, but I think it might have come from some half written something and i don't know what i don't I have no idea because I, I think i won't talk about it is your line yes and and it doesn't and, it, and yeah and that's why it feels a bit weird in a way what was the song i think i just i think i just had written the chords or some of the chords and i had that in my head and some other little bits of melody but i hadn't finished i hadn't written full lyrics so it was one of those ones Anyway, um, weird. Interesting. Well, a good listen. Well, I think we've, it was quite quite a, a good, uh, swift decision there, as it, as it turns out, quite fortuitous to, to shift things around, because um, this song I've got is a love song that can also be seen as an anti-love song, in a way. Hmm. And, uh, again, it's a song that I never would have... You know, I've heard this song millions of times. We've all heard it loads of times, I'm sure. Um, but it was only... Uh, after hearing it many times, sort of years later, where I sort of saw it in a different way. I know, let's play it. It's a famous song, and um, we should give it a good listen.
Okay, so kind of again, I did. This is what's really interesting about this song and why I wanted to play it in a way because um, <laughs> you need me to explain myself. I do. Uh, well, I mean, clearly there is a carnal aspect to love, and that should be addressed. Uh, yes, but that, for a moment, that's what I don't want to talk about. I want to try the music because oh. um, this is a song that you know, growing up as a kid in the like. 80s and 90s, I've just heard it, and almost always in the context of being spoofed, right? Uh, or, you know, having mistaken or clips of it, or like, uh, kind of spoofed versions of it, um, or maybe on adverts or whatever. And then once someone I knew said that, to me, that it was one of their favorite songs. What? That's like a joke song, right? I thought of that as like a, a kind of joke song, spoof. But I also had another, mo I had a moment with this song once, um, a bit like with Hounds of Love in a very different way where it almost brought me to tears. Because actually, if you strip back the vocals and you strip back the orgasming and all that stuff, and, and the keyboards actually, and you just listen to the chord progression and the strings, it is absolutely fucking beautiful. <laughs> That's my point about this song, is it's really... Uh, well, maybe they should have stripped it back because I, I can't hear the chord progressions because all I'm hearing is him going, yeah. why not blue, which is like... <laughs> Um, I know. I mean, me neither. I love you. Me neither. There's um, a thing. I got it. I, 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 since I've kind of tapped into it on that level, I just think it's an amazing song. And apparently, and this is really interesting. And maybe it says something about the difference between the French and the English, because you know there was all this outrage about it, and it was like 1969, and there was like you know it's obscene and blah blah. And then apparently Serge was like, oh, it's English. I don't understand. This is a, if you, the music is pure. It is a love song, and I'm being told it's a, you know. And um, actually, the music is pure, and it, it, it's a bit as if, like, because the British have a certain kind of sense of humour as well, you can't possibly listen to something like that and take it seriously. But the French actually take it fucking seriously. They're like, love and sex and a nice chord progression all works together. We can't hear that because we're too preoccupied with the yeah, ridiculous... I, I must admit, I have been socialised into thinking it's a joke song. Um, that's it. I so... mean, if you... I, I fully admit that that's my kind of the prism from which I, I listen to this song. But that said, there is there are some classic French lines in this, like, yes. um, <laughs> you know, you go and you come between my kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also just like um, love for its own sake, physical love for its own sake. L'amour physique est sans issue. Um, yeah, so that's why I put it in as an anti-love song at the end, because apparently I don't really get it. Like, it's about how physical love is impossible and how you can't... Um... So on the one hand, it's like it is a love song and it's about physical love, but it's also about the impossibility of physical love or something, which I don't quite get, because is he just saying sex is not love, but then at the same time, surely Serge Gainsbourg <laughs> doesn't believe that. <laughs> but... Um... Uh, so I, I put it in partly just because it's a talking point. I think it's quite interesting. It raises a number of interesting issues. But also because I think, um, I actually think it's a beautiful piece of music that yeah. you can't see because of all the, the shit around it. But then all the shit around it is also quite interesting. Gosh, that's another yeah. new perspective on the song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm quite as in yet, but maybe uh, I'll do another listen and I'll try and... I'm not saying it's like the greatest love song ever written, but um, it's uh, 
yeah, it's it can be surprisingly touching just on a musical level. It would be nice to sit down and play it on a guitar with none of that crap and maybe some strings, and then I think that would come through. Well, maybe it's the, it's the perfect song to cover. Maybe it is. The problem is it does have that lyric, I love you, me neither, which... <laughs> uh, but that's why I also thought it was the perfect kind of anti-love song. Mm. No, good choice. I... Um... I've chosen another song that's also on the on the slightly on the borderline. Um, it's one that gets me emotionally from time to time. If I hear it at a, at a certain moment, it'll get me going, and I'm not sure why. Uh, because it doesn't. It, it's it's in the music and the the progression, and a, and a little bit in the lyrics. But the lyrics aren't really what it's about for me. Um, I'll play it. It's by the Proclaimers, and it's called Ooh. Sunshine on Leith. Do you know it? No, I was going to say, 500 miles? That'd be an
songs that um, probably won't get you first time but I once listened to it three times in a row just gobsmacked by that first bit because well, the verse is just there to set up that drop um, that goes into the um, while I'm worth my room on this earth I will be with you um, and uh, I just think it's the simplicity because it's basically a waltz it's got a bit of slide mm. guitar. You can kind of get a little bit put off by the Scottishness of it, but um, it's kind of like this confessional, um, but it's got something about the chorus which makes it, it's been adopted by like a football club as their the anthem. They're kind of like, um, while I'm worth my ba ma ma And um, there's something, you know, sing along here about it, but it's also one of those songs for me, and I don't know, it's like where it puts you in an emotional place, and I don't know if you're tired or, or if you get like this at Christmas sometimes. It's a bit like what some people describe with um, uh, Fairy Tale of New York. It just gets them a bit, gets, gets them a bit weepy. Um, yeah, it's that, it's that weepy, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's lovely. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard it. And now I think about um, it, they're they're the ultimate purveyors of the love song, aren't they? The proclaimers. Um, they? Do they have other good ones? I, I, I well, five hundred miles is a love song. I mean, <laughs> they're all love songs, I know. But um, it's lovely, and it's it's kind of very much the opposite of um, the surge number because it's uh, it it taps into that kind of longing, kind of the kind of the kind of emotion that's that's sad, um, and is serious, you know. Uh, yeah, if if uh, Serge Gainsbourg is Linton, this uh, is Heathcliff. The... Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant when I said, think about this. I don't want to talk about Serge again, but like the the thing that the emotion that got me when I heard that with the music of it is it it just made me feel very happy. It was like this sort of upliftingness of it, and that whereas you also need love songs that kind of not exactly bring you down, but they take you into that like you know that kind of emotional space, like you say with Fairy Tale of New York or whatever. That's uh, you're kind of wallowing in a feeling. It's like that, and that's yeah, yeah. But no, that's that's really nice. I'll definitely listen to that again. It's, it seems like something that um is worth repeated listening, and uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to it. It's a very rich. Um, I, I certainly think so. I think others might think it's cheesy, um, but it, it gets me. And uh, what I also like about it is both basically a lot of love songs, whether I go back to Dolly Parton saying, I will always love you, or potentially your next choice, is about mm. the kind of like, I'm going to love you forever. And it, I just think it's quite a nice touch that instead of saying, I love you forever, they, they're using this motif of wild God 
while the sun shines on in in the area where we live, um, uh, I'm I'm going to be you know by your side. Um, it's, yeah. it's, and also the sense that um, I don't know. There's this great W. H. Auden poem called Musée des Beaux Arts, which is which is basically um, talks about how uh, like great moments of great import to to people when you zoom in on them are so important but actually when you zoom out they're, they're nothing in the context of everything and this this is basically like this this love is important but actually is inconsequential because i've just got this little moment on earth and just but just while the sun shines and while i'm around this is important for us um and I, I think it captures a bit of that yeah so i it's it's lovely it's always lovely to hear a new song on this podcast that you've never heard before um, your choice i think tom is a song that we both know and love well we've definitely heard this one before uh, i think i feel like we had to play it uh, I, th I think this again is a, a, a band who you know have a number of love songs actually um great pop uh indie love songs with shades of dark and light and you know this is a you know how can we not play a love song that's called love song frankly and also a song that influenced our own uh choice of song that we're going to play tonight so let's play it and we can talk about it afterwards
I can get lost in that song. Yeah. I'm glad we did a full listen along as well, because I feel like it's, I mean, it's a great song, but also like a large proportion of what is good about it is like the opening chord and the closing chord. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's that Hard Day's Night thing, but done by The Cure. Yeah, yeah. And with a different a different kind of chord, which I have hmm. the uh, musical knowledge to tell you exactly what chord it was. Well, I can tell you the song is written in A minor. Um, yeah, no, I'm thinking about that. Like, is it a suspended something? Or I don't know. I'm going to reveal my ignorance. But um, again, like, dead simple. What I like about that as well is, I don't know if it was that guy, Dave Allen, who we already had a conversation about whether he was going to record or mix one of our songs uh, when we were in a band. But um, it sounds also a bit like it's recorded in a bedroom. Like, there's something about it that's kind of a bit amateurish at the same time as being a very, you know, professional. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it. Like the keyboard sound, that guitar sound. Of... Yeah. yeah and... But there's there's a lot of space for each of the instruments. Yeah. Which is a yeah. sign of great production. No, I think um... it is great production, but it's got that production that sounds, has an innocence about it, you know? Mm. Mm. Uh... Because it's got the driving drums and then the, there's... I think there's still this, the two keyboard parts, the one that kind of like yeah. sits in the background, a little plaintive one, and then there's the... And then obviously the, the guitar is used for those chords, and then it goes quiet, so it's almost... Oh, yeah, no, no, and that bit as well, yeah. And then it... But it's, it's also borrows a bit from the quiet loud structure where the verse just goes, sits back down into quite a simple thing. Um, yeah. And I read, I read something that oh, it's a song bass, like driven. It's driven by the bass line, and I thought, what? That song doesn't. But then I actually tuned into it. It's got a yeah. really nice bass line. Do, 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 do. There's something about that, yeah. The um, plodding, uh, yeah. It's good because the bass is not like it's not massively up in the mix, and it's not very bassy in tone. But the bass is doing some very cool stuff. Be interesting when we get to bass heroes if we do an episode on that. I think the cures what's the what's the classic bass line? Um is it a forest? No. A forest is the one that was being ripped off by that band we listened to. Battle. <laughs> that that sounds like a forest, but having said that I can't yeah. remember. We'll get into it. But um yeah, just yeah, it's quite driving it's quite driving drumbeat as well for a love song it is i was actually i mean this is getting a bit techie i was we need to ask to fix this but my impression listening to that is that the drummer is is playing one of those electronic kits you know with the pads uh, that you program i might be wrong uh, I, I probably am wrong but just the snare sound is so consistent and so like i've never heard a snare sound like that it sounds like an electronic snare you know but being played live by a drummer hmm. not programmed and maybe it was, I mean, it was 1989. I mean, that kind of shit was probably all the rage. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I also think that it's um, just in, because I did a little bit of research around this song and it's, what's interesting is Robert Smith said it took him 10 years to be able to write a song like that. And his his line is, it's an open show of emotion. It's not trying to be clever. It's, it's, um, it's just a very straightforward love song, but he couldn't do that for, for 10 years and I wonder if like, I don't know, it's a difficult type of thing to do for a 20 something year old bloke, maybe in the UK as well. You're also talking about us being slightly repressed and not as French and open and uh, to to kind of get that authentic honesty across. 
I think so. It's really, I mean, it's really hard as, as, as you, as you know, you know, <laughs> so probably uh, anyone who's tried to write songs knows as well. Like it doesn't necessarily come easily. Um, and it's much easier to write songs about, to, to write other hateful songs or songs about things that don't work out or just to simply write a straightforward song like that. Um, there's not many, are there? I mean, like, you know, we, we've chosen that song in our eight. Um, obviously, there are a number of great love songs uh, that could have gone in there. Um, and I'm sure we had dilemmas thinking about some of them. But there's not that many songs I can think of by great bands that um, just do that you know, and do it well. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that with this song that we're about to play from our own canon, which I think stands up as probably as a band our best attempt at a love song. Um, yes. Before we start, can you please make sure we've got the right version? Because there's two right. versions out there, and it needs to be the Spence version. Because the other version's not great. Where it's just it's um more demoy and done in a hut in Southampton. It's the one on Spotify that I'm going to play. So. Okay, I hope that's the right one. <laughs> <laughs> um, listeners, you should listen. Uh, you should search for "Blue on Blue" by Seeing Scarlet. Reminds me how I 
Spotify guys um, <laughs> from the same sesh same session as the song we played earlier not another love song actually um, so we recorded those at a place in Clapton run by a gentleman called Graham Spence who we affectionately termed Jesus Las Vegas and it was a very simple bedroom setup um, but I think well, he got it, some some nice recordings out of us yeah, he had a proper studio. I mean, in his bedroom, weirdly. It's quite hard to describe this place, right? It was a, a very large flat, wasn't it? Which had a sort of quite cavernous studio space within it. Um, yeah, I don't take, you know, I got quite emotional there. I realized a guitar sitting next to me here, which is the guitar I played all that stuff on. It just sits here in my hands. But yeah, that, that um, that's a love song. That's a lo- I, I love that. Uh, well, um, I think it's clear as we did borrow some of... Um, some inspiration from the cure i think yeah, the drum the drum tempo and maybe the keyboardiness yes there's having a, their little keyboards there i was just trying i was just trying to remember did i play the keyboards like that i don't really have the strong I think you did, yeah yeah but, um but yeah certainly like the kind of straight four four kind of drums and a, a crack on the snare and um yeah but i don't think i definitely think that's an homage rather than oh yeah yeah what tell me about the lyrics? Like, where did you, where did the 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 the, the imagery of blue on blue come from? So the imagery of blue on blue, I realise now, is quite a throwaway line, even though it's the title of a song. It's great. Like, I think, um, <laughs> but I don't understand, you know, why why that's maybe it's just where it comes in the in the pattern of the chorus at the end, and it go, leads into the verse. So it's quite a nice standout point to say something. Um, but yeah, it's just the notion of it being blue and blues is just like it's 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 just obvious. It was there um, hiding in plain sight that th- this is a good match and like like the 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 actual wrestling around the lyrics was I was trying to do something around you know arming and disarming so that like a relationship could strengthen you, make you feel better that you're back to back, like you us against the world. But also in those private moments, someone can completely take your breath away and disarm you by uh, surprising you or showing a different side of themselves. Um, and so that's what I was wrestling on as a kind of concept for. But then, then you just chuck in a line like, it's, and it's as plain as blue and blue, and that's you know kind of what the song then becomes. That's what it yeah, becomes that, about. I've sort of forgotten that, actually. I mean, obviously, the lyrics are in there, and I remember that, the kind of you are army and disarm me, which is also what makes the song really interesting i think but i did i think at one point it was called it was maybe going to be called you arm me or something like that i yeah. think it was but then there was like well our people just think it's called you are me and that's you know weird <laughs> and, and then someone maybe suggested just call it blue on blue I, I, I have a vague memory of this um because yeah it was all around that arming and disarming but it's still all in there which is great hmm. 
Um, so I, I think it's nice. It's it's very it's so difficult. I can even put myself back um, twenty years or whatever it is, and just that because uh, I love you. You know that that just that admission. Well, it, it feels like an admission, isn't it? Sometimes um, to say it, and it shouldn't be. It should just be like I know. It's um, quite hard to sort of sing. I guess I imagine that something that straight, which is ridiculous. It shouldn't be. Yeah, not the surge. <laughs> because I, I love you backwards and forwards, and not either. Uh, I love you between your kidneys. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Well, I hope that's painted a picture of our, well, certainly today's thoughts of what we think a good love songs are. Like, like everything, it's such a big, big topic. We'll never give it any justice. But uh, I really good. like. Uh, yeah, I would happily listen to this as a playlist. I reckon, yeah, and I think you know, we into the future. There's easily room for the you know, a, a bespoke episode on uh, unrequited love, or um, you know, other aspects of more specific um, dimensions of the love. Yeah. But, um, we'll see. Well, thank you very much for coming on this journey with us. We hope to see you soon, and uh, remember, keep hitting that like button. Keep yeah. rating and reviewing us. Keep going to Instagram yeah. and sharing all your stories and thoughts. Keep spreading Take, the good word. Record it onto a cassette. Drive it across the border to your neighbouring country and spread the word there, like with Rodriguez. We want to go <laughs> viral that way. Thanks. Night, everyone. Bye. Ciao.